Hello, and welcome to the Beautiful Business Podcast. Beautiful Business is a community for leaders who believe there's a better way of doing business. We believe beautiful businesses are led with purpose by people who care, guided by a clear strategy, and soulfully grown. Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of the Beautiful Business Podcast, brought to you by The Wow Company. My name's Ewan Sang, part of the Beautiful Business team, and this week we were joined by Chris Shaw. Now, Chris is a creative at heart. He spent the last 20 years helping business leaders around the world maximize growth and achieve the results they really want, all against the backdrop of change. During his career, he has built an extensive playbook containing more than 200 unique tools, frameworks, and insights, all designed to simplify the complex nature of business and facilitate creative thinking. He has successfully built and exited both a management consultancy and a creative agency in the last 10 years, using his blend of commercial experience and academic insight to accelerate the growth of organizations in a wide range of sectors, including finance, media, education, and professional services. He has published articles on leadership, culture, strategy, and inclusion. Whilst in 2024, we'll see Chris venture into the realm of horror fiction, having recently signed a five-book publishing deal in the young adult space. Let's jump straight in. Chris. Could you give us a bit of a background to the work that you do in the leadership space? At Atmosphere, which is where I'm a partner at the moment, we work with businesses and help them develop their adaptability. So we do this by building various scenarios that challenge the current ways of thinking within those businesses, but not only thinking, but also the ways they operate as well, and then forces them in a nice way <laughs> to think about creating new approaches. And that's in a nutshell, what we do. Now, a lot of that is around strategy, but we're helping leadership teams develop that capability to adapt against rapid change, which is what we're all faced with. Fabulous, fabulous. So in terms of the work that you do there, then, I guess there's a degree, a part of the challenge, I imagine, Chris, is around bringing leaders of those businesses on that journey with you. And no doubt there will be, like in so many sales situations and scenarios, You'll have the champions, you know, the people that are all aboard and they're really open to it. You'll have the neutrals who might be just a bit like, okay, what's this? You'll have the detractors, no doubt, the people that are dragging their feet and things like this. Do you find that in the space that you're in, in terms of helping businesses with their adaptability and the leadership teams with their adaptability? And how do you identify it? How do you kind of work with that? I think we definitely see it to a degree. I think when businesses take the time to talk through our proposition with them in terms of what our approach is and why our approach, why we believe our approach is so important. They get it. No one sits there and goes, things aren't going to change. <laughs> no one's sitting there with that message. I think the challenge is always the urgency of it. And there's always like 10 other priorities going on within a business and, you know, climate and technology and all the rest of it aren't necessarily shouting the loudest at the moment in all businesses. And so they get kind of bumped down the pile, bumped down the pecking order. You know, you do get leaders that will pass the buck and say, well, actually, that's something for the next generation <laughs> to deal with. And, that, you know, they can pick up the slack on that. But we get very few that deny it altogether. They kind of get it when we talk them through what we see as a huge shift that's coming in all these things that we're seeing within society and the planet. They're all part of a bigger change that's occurring. But their urgency to address it, Sometimes that's the spectrum that we're kind of trying to navigate and say, well, right, well, okay, well, how do we move these people to a more urgent space so they get it? I've done an experiment recently where we've just, it was just a simple diagnostic where we sent out a few scenarios and then got people to assess their business model, the way they work, you know, how quickly or how confident were they that they could adapt 
to this new scenario quicker than their competitors. And of course, people will grade it and it, you know, it works like a radial graph. And then the second question was, well, how much time do you spend assessing their, those areas of your business are fit for purpose? And of course, people don't reassess their business model if it's working, you know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And so the problem is, is we're going to see an increase in cautionary tales, people like Blockbuster, Kodak, all those guys. And businesses need to be equipped and armed to deal with that and avoid that. And that's really where we're trying to sort of drive that urgency. Everyone, you know, there are certain industries that still think they're untouchable and we will play scenarios to those businesses that show that they might not be. I remember seeing a, if you Google like the best sales deck in the world, you'll probably see one that's from a company called Zora and they're like a subscriptions company, imagine subscriptions. Yeah. You've probably seen it as well, Chris. And the emphasis on the sales deck is how it's a changing world. And I think if you ask anybody, the world is changing. And then the second part is that whenever there's change, there are winners and there are losers. Yeah. And I think this is what you're alluding to, you know, that there'll be those that will take advantage of that change and will ride the crest of that wave. And there'll be those who get left behind. This is a few years old now, but one of the standout slides that this guy pulled out was a comparison of the FTSE 100 or the New York Soccer Stream 100 top 10 from 10 years ago versus oh, yeah. top 10 this years ago. And it was like two or three that were still there. Yeah. The rest of them are gone. New yeah, ones have come from. Yeah. So the change is inevitable and the opportunity and the fact that there are going to be winners and losers. But I wondered, you know, going back to that point of like some leaders being viewing this or perceiving this as an urgent thing versus the leaders that don't. And I'm a sucker for the two by two matrix of like important and urgent and, you know, getting into box two. Yeah, yeah. What are these kind of illusions? Or why do you think leaders kind of do turn that blind eye to it? Because you're right. There's always going to be existential kind of threats. Yeah. You know, cash is light you know we've got a competitor that's winning our market share let's throw the ball harder you know to kind of see that analogy but then you've got companies examples of companies which are absolutely cruising it yet so they have got that headspace Mm. but they don't use that space to consider the future why do you think that is it's a weird thing i mean i look around and particularly now as well i think there's a real absence of role models in the leadership space that are visible for people to say, right, okay, this is what a leader means. I mean, my wife watches the news every morning. Yeah, She watches like Good Morning Britain. And Good Morning Britain, whether it's around the timing of the day or whatever it is, they have a politician on there tackling some debate. And it's normally a 10-minute exercise in trying to pin jelly to the wall. Yeah, <laughs> that's what happens. And we think, well, actually, a lot of our leaders, they're all kind of media trained and they're coached in sort of being slippery and evading questions and not letting themselves be vulnerable. And when you think about what a leader means, the term a leader means, you know, it's kind of flying in the face of that. And so I think there's a bit of a worrying trend at the moment with the leaders that we do have that are visible where they're not actual leaders or what I would call leaders. And I've seen this in other industries, you know, where you look at the education system, for example, when it's become more administrative it's restricted the what I would call people who have or see teaching as a calling that can adapt to individual needs. And it's more this kind of one size fits all. It's like a, you know, factory mentality. And the problem is, is when you've got people going through that education system, the role models, the teachers that would have seen teaching as a calling and would have been able to adapt are not there. And so they then attract another generation of administrative teachers i mean this isn't me sort of this isn't a sweeping statement around teaching but it's a trend that you see you know and so i think leadership is starting to you're starting to see that same issue occur where that you know we're seeing a lot of leaders that are slippery (laughs) and 
that's attractive to people who think, well, actually, I could do that. And that's not grasping what leadership is. So I think that's a real issue and it's a growing concern. And we need to give the visibility to, you know, we need more trailblazers, you know, in underrepresented communities. We need more authenticity. We need more leaders embracing what makes us human. We need more leaders that are sort of demonstrating that power of inclusion. And we're not really seeing that a lot. And the worse things get, the more airtime those politicians and leaders get trying to be, you know, this whole sort of nailing jelly to the wall fiasco. So I think we need to reassess what a leader means and, and actually embrace that rather than what it's sort of morphed into over the years. That's interesting. So it's like using teachers as an example. Sounds like what you're saying there, Chris, is like it's a, a systemic challenge yeah. rather than just an individual challenge. Individuals that pop up as leaders as a result of the systems that we have in place and as you say, promoting in a politician's world, the slipperier ones who present well in front of a camera, as opposed to perhaps, you know, the firebrands of the, you know, of yesteryear who could really motivate and mobilize a people a following and get people to follow them. I came across a phrase not that long ago, which I thought was absolutely lovely. And that was like, how can you get people to follow you even when they don't have to? That yeah. being leadership, right? And I think you're right. There's fewer examples of that, certainly in the public realm. But even in the business realm, it's harder to see because as you go like further up the food chain, you've got more accountability to the shareholders and you've got to hit your quarterlies and things like this. It's interesting. It's really interesting. Like the behavior has been shaped by the system. And I don't know whether or not I'm going down a bit of a rabbit hole here, but I'm just thinking about things like quarterly AGMs and things like that. First of all, very short term, you know, because you're just living in the quarter. Um, but then also, it's a lagging indicator, right? If you're looking at your revenue performance from a quarter gone, as opposed to the leading side. Yeah. No, absolutely. In the name. Yeah. We do get caught up in that way too often. And I, but I think, it, you know, the whole connectivity, the accessibility, the invasion of people's space has created this need for people to present in a certain way and show up in a certain way. And I think, you know, you look at it across... Even in the entertainment industry, you know, actors, footballers, you know, the sporting space, they're all media trained how to deal tricky conversations on camera. And what that presents is not who they are on the pitch or who they are on the court. And so you've got this disconnect where people aren't really benefiting from seeing leaders in their flow. They're seeing a, a watered down, restricted version of them. And that's not going to attract leaders. Leaders are going to be thinking, you know, much like teachers, you know, teachers who see that as a calling will be sitting there saying, well, actually, I can't operate. And I know lots of teachers who've come out of education because they can't operate within the education system and better and utilize their skill. So they look for other avenues. But what it does is it robs that industry of its role models that are going to encourage that next generation of people who have that gift, who see that as a calling, you know, and this sort of one size fits all mentality doesn't work. And that's the challenge. And then when you combine that with then people looking backwards, as you say, and not looking forwards enough and not thinking, well, actually, we're entering a time now where perhaps there isn't as much we can learn from looking backwards in order to navigate it because this is like uncharted territory. So we're going to have to really free up our brains here and think more creatively. They're not equipped to do it. They're sitting there thinking, well, how do I navigate this? Let's consult my media training. Let's consult my playbook for being slippery. Yeah. <laughs> Let's have a look at last year's figures, right? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, from a leadership perspective, I, I don't know whether you're familiar with the work of Patrick Lencioni, 
So he did a piece on the five sort of functions of a team or five dysfunctions of a team, but he also did a piece which was around the five temptations of a leader. And they're all still valid. And some of those things are never going to change. You know, when we talked about businesses adapting, the adoption curve, the bell, that's never going to change. That's always going to be the same. And there are some things, basic things that we can revisit and look at and say, right, how do we make these applicable now? And how do we learn from them? Because I think we're leaving them in, in the past a little bit and they've still got a place. Without a doubt, it's interesting, a bit like the work that you've done at at We Are Atmosphere, where the outcomes can be variable all the time. You never know what they're going to be, and the principle of being adaptable, it's it's almost like those methods. It's about having, I know we just kind of like poo-pooed the idea of playbooks, but it's about the playbooks of dealing with uncertainty, right? It's about dealing with what's coming down. And likewise, with, with leadership, there has to be value placed on leaders being able to deal with the unknown, to be able to handle the unexpected as opposed to being really good at doing what we always did before and i think yeah. that's a boiled down isn't it chris well you know i suppose one of the dangers for leaders is that they kind of sit on that kind of mantle of it you know look i've grown the business 20 percent year on year doing what i do as opposed to you know what's coming further down the line where are the threats where are the opportunities that we could make a move yeah and people just don't spend enough time on that that's the upshot and sort of just circling back and closing off the whole leadership piece i think the important part of leadership that seems to be missing now and everywhere you look or certainly everywhere i look (laughs) is that inspiration factor how do you get people to follow when they don't need to that's where inspiration comes in and i think that's very difficult to do if you've got both hands tied behind your back or you're restricted in ways that prevent you from being that or showing up in an authentic version of yourself. So I think they do need to spend more time doing these things, even SWOT analysis, you know. So this is a tried and tested process. Businesses don't do enough of it, but they don't do it regularly enough. And the challenge is, is as as these changes are coming in more rapidly, they're going to need to be doing that sort of thing more regularly. And they don't, you know, what people don't, I think, appreciate is whatever got them to where they are now isn't going to get them to where they need to be in one two years time and that might sound extreme but the changes that we're seeing coming in are that extreme and it's the foresight that comes with it as well there's the foresight that comes with this proactivity it happens so often when you know businesses hit a buffer or you know they hit some trouble and it's like oh well this happened and we're having to kind of navigate around it when the reality is as you say with that kind of scenario planning methodology or haven't or doing that kind of SWOT analysis then at least it would have come up on the agenda a bit earlier on how frequently would you I mean if you were coaching or mentoring a business leader how frequently would you get them to do it and the other question Chris is would you get them to do something like a SWOT analysis on themselves you know in terms of what they need to do personally as a leader in the context of being of leadership or would you do it in the context of the business as a whole I I think you need to do it both. I think every leader needs to keep continually review. Leaders need to be open to learning and developing and evolving. It's a strange dynamic because on the flip side, they need to accept the fact that they won't have all the answers and be open about that as well. You know, people aren't expecting leaders to have all the answers. It goes back to that Lencioni piece, you know, which is this sort of invulnerability that people want to project. And that doesn't breed trust (laughs) because it's no one's invulnerable. So. I think they do need to be using those tools. And there's a whole raft of tools that people can use to assess and reassess where they stand. And it's not about starting afresh every quarter. You don't need to do a SWOT analysis on your business every quarter or every month, but just staying in touch with it and revisiting it and saying and testing it and saying, is this still fit for purpose? How are things evolving? What things are evolving that we didn't anticipate? 
what could those impacts be? And just staying in touch with it. I think far too often businesses say, you know, we're going to have an away day or a strategy session. And we say, well, we're going to shoehorn it all into that one day or two day piece. And it's not enough time. And then it becomes something quite abstract. It becomes, well, this was a great exercise that we just did. And we've got a spreadsheet and we've got a lovely um, diagram or a range of diagrams. And we're just going to file that now and just get back to business as usual. And that happens way too often. And so, you know, these things need to be like living, breathing documents that are part of your business in order for you to stay in touch with them. And you need to be looking at the news. You know, you need to be looking at what's going, what's going on, what's coming on. You need to take an interest in that. You can't just bury your head in the sand and hope that it's going to be sort of sorted out for you. You know, everyone's got to take ownership and that's what leaders should be doing. It's interesting that bit that you said about doing these away days. Everybody has a lovely time. Does a whole kind of like, you know, building things out of Lego and spaghetti yeah, bridges yeah. and things like this. But it's so often, if as you say, it falls away and it gets locked in a drawer, put in a file somewhere, never to be looked at again or looked at when it's a bit too late. Yeah. Again, it's interesting where the point that you made where people do try and cram it all into two days. And perhaps this is the nature of our businesses, that Amazon, you know, prime kind of mentality, want it now, yeah. want it tomorrow. And putting this pressure on us as teams to deliver, deliver, deliver. And we don't give ourselves that breathing space for stuff to properly ferment in our minds. Yeah. Like, you know, we'll say this, this is our purpose. This is what we're going to do. Yeah. And it's kind of like tick, boxes tick. That's it. Put it away. Yet we don't give ourselves that opportunity to reflect and to kind of think, well, actually, you know, this is what it could mean. This is what it could mean further down the line. Or yeah. and that might be a good thing. It might be a bad thing. But it has to kind of percolate and yeah. give that thought, give that vision that space to breathe yeah businesses need that thinking and reflection time and they don't afford it because they don't see it as productive they don't it's not directly traceable to productivity and the way that they measure it again it's legacy ways of looking at things that we're not willing to sort of break away from and, and until we do things aren't going to change you're always going to get this steady stream of cautionary tales that missed the boat or didn't see the warning signs or saw them or acknowledged them in an away day and then forgot all about it because business as usual was too loud, too overpowering. And until we start sort of breaking up those ways of thinking about business, you're always going to get that. You know, and this is something that I see, particularly with like smaller businesses, smaller businesses often look to corporate experience to guide them as they're growing. When I started out in the consultancy space, there was a lot of corporate people that came out of corporate into consulting and they were just translating this corporate way of doing business into these smes and, and smaller entities and that's not always the right option because you're just transferring those limited ways of thinking sometimes sometimes so you've got to have that ability to look at things more creatively to think about how you can adapt and take the time to process it because if you don't it's a great exercise at the time it gets everyone infused they will have a great lunch you know, they might talk about it for a couple of days when they get back to the office, but then pretty soon that noise just overpowers them. I guess for our role as leaders, especially if you've got a leadership team or a senior leadership team, is to encourage them to kind of stand firm on these things and make sure they bring them out. And you see it, don't you, where, you know, businesses agree on, for example, we're going through our B Corp process at the minute and we'll talk about our mission statement and our purposes and what we're trying to do. And then if you're able to bake that into your processes and your thinking and almost have it as a yardstick, then weirdly it brings more clarity to things. You know, yeah. is this fulfilling our mission? You know, ours is around bringing more opportunities to underprivileged and underrepresented. Is the work that we're doing going to do that? Yes or no? Yeah. And it helps kind of bring that clarity around. And last question I've got for you, Chris, what would you like to see 
in future generations of business leaders? What would bring joy to your heart if you could see, you know, the future generation kind of doing? I think first up, more diversity, without a doubt, more authenticity, you know, this kind of reluctance to admit to failings. I failed more times than I succeeded. Yeah. And we need to break through that sort of stigma around admitting. No one learns anything from success. We learn from failing. So, you know, embracing those things that make us human, creating more inclusive environments where people are happy in the workplace. The world is littered with statistics that say most people are miserable working. So what are we trying to do to fix that? And it isn't, you know, we've gone through phases where that was, well, we'll put some beanbags in or we'll throw a football table in or, you know, and that will do it. It's so much more than that. You know, a lot of people need that sense of purpose and there's things like climate start to rise up on the agenda that enables people to have that outlet to fulfill that aspect of their purpose you know i think i mentioned it earlier we need more trailblazers in underrepresented communities you know that diversity needs to be real diversity we need more voices and perspectives because that's the only way you cross-pollinate and grow you know you're not gonna get any kind of real development if we've got the same people the same profile of people showing up as leaders and sort of back to my point earlier around what people are seeing now on the news and in the media that's a concern <laughs> that's like writing on the wall from a leadership perspective because if that's as good as we've got then we're all in big trouble thank you for listening to this week's podcast and a big thank you to chris shaw for joining us and sharing his insights thank you for joining us for this week's beautiful business podcast Beautiful Business is a community for leaders who believe there's a better way to do business. Join us next time for more interesting discussions on how businesses can bring about change, helping communities, building a fairer society and safeguarding the planet. You can also join in the discussion at www.beautifulbusiness.uk.